Hello, and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today is episode 82. We're going to be interviewing Katarina T. How are you, Katarina? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. We were just chatting before this. Both excited to do this. So let's uh, let's dive in and get the party started. All right. I'm Tell ready. me about your childhood. Okay, so uh, I was born in San Bernardino, California. And I was there with my mom and my dad until I was about seven. And then we moved up here to Washington. When that happened, we lived with my aunt and my three cousins in a little tiny two-bedroom apartment. Did you did you remember moving from California to Washington? Like, do you remember like leaving friends and stuff like that? Was that hard on you? Um, so I, I don't remember leaving friends, but I think the hard part was for me, my family down there. Okay, so it was uh, a close family down there. Yeah, very close, very close. And we're still close to this day, like very close family. And that, that was really hard for me. I took that really hard. But I mean, thankfully we had family, we have family up here. Those people though, not that this side of the family isn't genuine because they are, but those, that side of the family is like the most genuine people I've ever met in my entire life. And I think that was what was hard for me because I felt like I was, I was their child. You know, they treated me like I was also their child. And so that was really hard for me. Um, my childhood wasn't terrible. I was actually very loved as a child. My dad was a truck driver and my mom, she had, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was young. And so she hasn't been able to work for a really long time. So my dad always worked to provide for us and they're actually recovering addicts themselves. Oh, what were their choices? Um, meth, meth was their drug of choice. And And they do it together? Yes, yes. And I do think, um, at some point my mom actually wants to share her story with you too. So I'll leave that part out. Yeah, I'll leave that part out. But, um, the exciting part is she's been clean for 28 years. That's amazing that they use together and they recover together because that's usually usually couples they try and separate you guys for a little bit like they say you know you need to focus on yourself you shouldn't be in a relationship so it's amazing that they did it together they did the damn thing you know so (laughs) um I have to take a drink of water I'm so sorry no of course but um so my dad was a truck driver and like I said growing up wasn't hard for me specifically but um was it hard was he on the road a lot he was on the road a lot um long work days you know Mm -hmm. and um we struggled financially for sure you know we, we did struggle financially and but that never stopped them from like giving that love and making sure that I felt, you know, cared about. Cause at the time when we moved up here, I was an only child. And then 11 years later, my brother was born. Okay. I didn't feel, feel like an only child because I had my cousins around, you know, I had three cousins that we lived with and then into my teen years. Wait, that was in the two bedroom apartment when you lived with the three cousins. No. So finally, 11 years later, we lived in the apartment next door. We actually all lived very tight knit. We all lived in the same apartment complexes. Okay. Yeah. The way it was, is there was, um, they're like duplexes. 
Mm -hmm. And so we, my aunt lived in this one and then we finally moved into this one. And eventually my mom actually did end up getting a job. She cleaned houses for um, one of the rental, the rental company we rented through. And, um, but eventually, yeah, we moved into the second house and then my mom found out she was pregnant with my brother and, um, my brother and I didn't really have like a close relationship, I think because of the year difference, you know? Um, and I also took that, (laughs) I took that very hard because I was so used to being only child. And, but growing up though, like being around teenagers, I also had to witness a lot of addiction and like drinking and partying and, you know, all the crazy stuff that teenagers do when they're teenagers. You're talking about friends or family? Family, like their friends. Like, yeah, I had to see a lot of that. Um, And nothing against my parents or anything, you know, it's not, it's not really their fault because of what happens next door, you know, like they can't control that. Um, but I had, I had to witness a lot of different things in my life time, like as a child and what kind of things did you witness? Just like drinking and drugs and people fighting and just not stuff that, that I should have been around, you know, but as a kid, you're like, you don't want to miss out. You always get that, that fear of missing out, you know? Yeah. And eventually I ended up like in, into my teenage years. I think when I was like 14, I started drinking. Um, cause you know, you know, some parents are like, and it's not their fault. I didn't have to drink the alcohol, you know, but some parents are like, as long as you're drinking here, it's okay. You know? As long as you're not out driving. And I love my parents to death. Like they're amazing. They're they're the most genuine, amazing people. But for me, like now as as an adult, I wish I've never took like that first sip of alcohol. You know, I wish I never took that first sip of alcohol. Because eventually the alcohol turns into other things, you know. And so when I hit about 15. I, I partied a lot with my friends, um, because eventually that's all they wanted to do. So I'm like, well, if my friends are doing it, I'm doing it, you know? And so I'm all of a sudden now I'm popping biking in while I, while I'm like six shots deep, you know? Were were your friends just being typical teenagers or do they have addiction issues you think? Just being typical teenagers. It wasn't like anything crazy, but for me, like once I, once you take that first pill and it feels good, you're like, yeah, I like this, you know? Yeah. And I actually remember one time, I think I was like, I was 14 and I took, um, a 30 milligram Adderall from one of my friends. Cause I'm like, oh, I'm like, everybody else is doing it. So the orange ones. Was it an orange one? Yeah. Yep. I used to do one. Adderall too. <laughs> I knew the orange ones. The five milligrams ones were blue, I believe. Yeah, they had all different types. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, this is going to feel good, you know? And I I popped it and I was like, I think I was in like sixth period at this time. Once seventh period hit, I was like, okay, I don't like this. I don't like it. No, I did not like it at all. And so I like booked it after school to my best friend Courtney's house because I was too scared to go home. 
and I'm like sitting there and I'm just, I can't, I was chewing on something. I think like a bobby pin or something, which can wreck my teeth. Right. Yeah. I'm cause just, your jaw, I remember my jaw used to do like, you know, when I go side to side like this, yeah. cause you're grinding your teeth or something. Yeah. I know the feeling. I always had something in my mouth. I would smoke. I, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore, but I would smoke so many cigarettes. It yeah. was in the vape too. I used to still vape also. <laughs> well, and like, for me, I had never done anything like that before. So it's like, it's always been like downers, you know, if you get them like prescribed at the doctor, you know, you, you're so used to downers. Well, that one time I took that upper and I was like, I was like, yeah, I don't like this. And so finally I went home. My mom was pissed. Like she was so mad. And I just remember being up all night, could not sleep. And I think at one point I even like slammed the door in my mom's face. Cause you know, you get like that aggression. How did she know? I told her, I was honest. And my best friend Courtney was at the house with me too. She went home with me and my, she left, Courtney left because my mom was like, this is your fault, blah, blah, blah. You know, and Courtney's like, no, 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 it's not my, I wasn't even at school today. You know, she's like, I wasn't even there. And I, I finally, you know, I felt really bad that I, treated my mom like that because she didn't tell me to take that pill and then fast forward I had my first child when I was 16 years old wow that's young yeah I was I was 16 when I found out I was pregnant <clears throat> and that that was hard for me because I'm like do I give up the rest of my childhood or do I do this like do I, or do I not do this? Like, and I finally, that, that day that I found out I was pregnant, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to keep this baby. Like I'm going to do what was intended for me to do. And I can't say that I had like the best support on the other half. That was, that was not good for me at all. And I, I became very, very depressed, honestly. And I've you dealt mean, with depression. When you said the other half, you mean talking about whoever the father was? Yeah. Yeah. Who was the father? Was it someone you were dating or was it like a one-time thing? Um, it was somebody that I was talking to. We weren't like specifically dating, but it was it was a thing. Like it was an on and off thing. Okay. And yeah. And my best friend was actually dating his best friend. So we spent a lot of time together. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. And I I've dealt with depression a majority of my life, but once that happened, like I became severely depressed. You have clinical depression? Yes, I actually was diagnosed with um manic depression. Oh me last too. Last year. Well, really? We're part of the same club. Well bipolar. Yeah. We, I think it's and, I'm the worst one, bipolar one, where it goes up and down. Because I know the other one does something a little different. Yeah, I can't remember which I I don't take meds or anything like for it. I it's actually very um very low, very low. I think hardly ever I have manic episodes, but I I do know when they're coming on. Like I know when I'm about to have one. Yeah. Um I actually instead of I I actually meditate every day. Oh, I meditate yeah. for a half hour. Yeah. I'm a meditator it's, also. I uh I credit that would say I haven't done it in a little bit I've been going through some stress and I should be doing it but I just haven't for some reason yeah. but um I do credit that with my recovery 
Like I did some heavy meditation when I got out of rehab. There you go. No, I, I, I highly recommend it. It is, it has changed my life tremendously. Like I honestly feel like a whole different person and anybody that sees me or talks to me, they're like, yeah, you are not who you used to be. And I'm like, I, I know it helps, but, um, so when, after I had my son, they, I was prescribed, I believe were perk thirties at the time. I don't even know if they make those anymore, but, um, because I, I was, I got really, really, um, I don't know how to say this without being too graphic, but, uh, needless to say, I had 56 stitches. And so they gave me like the highest pain med possible. That's a lot of stitches. It is a lot of stitches. And so they, I'm only 16, you know? And well, that's right. I, I, for some reason that at this point, I'm only 16. And I do believe that that's where my addiction started with the opiates was being prescribed that high of a pain med at my age, you know, cause downers, some people's choice of downers and that just happened to be mine you know and once those ran out I'm like oh my gosh I need more like I need more I need I like the way this makes me feel I need to keep doing it you know and um then I met so when I was eight months pregnant I met my younger two's younger two children's father when I was eight eight months pregnant with my firstborn and um I had you started dating someone while while you were eight months pregnant yeah and you know what he loved me he loved me very much that's all that matters yeah he loved me very much and he is also an addict so it's like and I at the time you know I don't I didn't know like he talked about it every once in a while and he was clean around that time, like when I met him. So he admitted and, back back then he was like working a program, maybe like he admitted he was an addict. Um, so he wasn't working a program specifically, but he had been to rehab quite a few times. All right, so he actually had he had real deal addiction issues. Yeah. Yep. Um, his mom sent him to rehab quite a few times, and I wouldn't say that his group of friends were the best of people either. But one thing is, like, he told me, I don't care if this kid's mine, like, or not. Like, it wasn't his kid. Mikai, my son was not his kid, but he treated him as such, you know? And I was like, God, you know, I was like, I would kill to have that kind of support from the actual father, you know? And I, I was very, and I still am, I was very thankful for him around that time because I had family like my family helped a lot my family is actually a big part of my children's lives they're there a lot and then fast forward to when I was 18 I had my second child with said boyfriend and he's a really good dad when he's not using he's a very good dad even when he is using he's still a decent dad Um, and I didn't ever notice the addiction very much, you know, I didn't, because at this time, like, I'm 
not, I'm still oblivious, even though I'm like a, a pill taker, you know, I'm oblivious. And I finally found out that he had been using heroin. And I'm like, what the fuck? Real quick, not to skip around. When yeah. you were 18 and pregnant, were you using the perks at the same time? Or did you quit? No, I had quit. Yeah, I had quit. Um, I had, sorry, I did not. I left that part out. I'm so sorry. No, no, I'm just making sure that I didn't miss it. I thought maybe I missed it. No, no, I was not using at that time. Um, okay. So when I was about 17, I was working at Pizza Hut. And I needed to live to deliver pizza. And so I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to stop. You know, I, I need to, I was on the straight and narrow for a while. Cause the, at the time as a teenager, you know, like finally I was like, you know what? The drug scene's not for me. Like, this is not me. And, um, so I stopped using, I stopped using pills and, um, started doing that, started delivering pizza, started being like a functioning adult, you know, at this point, now I'm a mom with a kid, you know, and, um, I, I hated it at first because I'm like, you know, like restless legs, like can't, can't go through my day without like just craving it, just craving that downer feeling, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I guess I'll, I'll fast forward into like when my actual addiction started with the heroin, um, because I had my third kid by the time I was 20. Wow. So I was 20. Wow. Yeah. And, um, I remember, <laughs> I remember like, I was so excited because I, and this sounds selfish, but I'm like, I know I'm going to get pain pills. Like, I know that's going to be a thing. No, I mean, you know, I was thinking about the other day. I know the feeling because I had a long story short, I had some tumors in the side of my face going towards my brain. So I had multiple surgeries, but every surgery that I went to, I was like, like you said, kind of excited to get it over with so I can get pain pills because they were prescribed it for like two months. Five. Yeah. They and do, I would they suffer. Do I don't know how you did, but I would suffer throughout the day and not take them. And then at night, I take them all at once so I can get more hot. Yeah, and then you sleep like a baby, right? Like it's yeah. like, <laughs> no big deal, love, right? It's it's not worth lying about. I used to love painkillers, yeah. but I guess the best way to describe it is that they didn't love me back. They don't do any good for you. They don't do good any any good for you. And once they're gone, you got to chase it. You know, so. I like, so before I found out that I was pregnant with my third child. And this is, is with the I, same father? Yes. So okay. my oldest has a different dad. My younger two have the same dad. And, you know, like it wasn't a healthy relationship at all. It was a very, very toxic relationship. But for some reason, I loved him so much, you know, even without the drugs, like, I'm like, okay, just one more time. Like, I just want to make this work one more time, one more time, you know, and it actually, had, do you think you had codependency issues? Honestly, 
um my therapist is actually my boss now so she can be more open with me (laughs) um I do have codependency issues okay I do and it's very prevalent in the addict in the addiction community um once I started this group and started doing research on stuff it's big it's really big a lot of addicts they they deal with codependency issues as well yeah and I have a lot of childhood trauma too um I don't know how graphic I can get into this podcast or no, as what I, we're not rated for children <laughs> yeah so um I so talk about what you got to talk I don't remember this part of my childhood. I do remember some things, but um, I was raped when I was three years old by my babysitter's son. And some of some of the things I do remember, like it is, I was only three. And some of the memories are still like burned into my mind, you know? Wow. And then again, when I was, it was 2000. 17 2017 um I was date raped by somebody I met on plenty of fish and I don't know if that's like I don't know if that's like part of a thing where I just like wanted to feel loved you know like when you were young did you did you have the consciousness to tell anybody or I told my mom I told my mom, I said, and and I only know this because she told me, I guess I got in the car and she asked, how was it? And like, how, how was my day with the babysitter? And I was like, I guess I told her that me and the son had sex. Like, I don't, so you, you know, knew sex was at that age because of that guy, because of that, that baby, that babysitter's son. And I don't, I don't know if like my coat, so I don't know if that's where my codependency issues come from, because I just want to be loved by a man, you know, like, I don't know if that's the issue, or I have like deeper rooted issues that need to be resolved, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but I just, with that relationship, though, I'm just like, I have, I think maybe too, like my I've never been abandoned, but I feel like sometimes I have abandonment issues, you know, like, and when, after I had my son, I remember wondering why he, he was out all night. Cause I didn't know he had relapsed on heroin. I didn't know that he was working at Taco Bell at the time. And we were living with, um, my best friend and her husband. And I'm just like, why are you never home? Like what? what are you doing? And so finally he relapsed or finally he, he, he told me, well, I relapsed. I've been doing heroin. And I'm like, how old was your son when you first found out that he was using? So my son was only three and my younger son was a newborn. He was just a baby. How did they use drugs? No, not my son, my Austin. Um, my kid's dad. My kid's dad. Okay. I'm sorry. I should I should have touched base on that. <laughs> um, no, uh, um, my kid's dad. I should not say any names. I'm sorry. Um, you don't my have kids. Is, yeah. Okay. 
um he my my oldest son was only three and my younger son was just a newborn when he finally had came out and said that he was using and to fast forward back to my just wanting to make this man love me you know um and I was like I was like oh my gosh okay well this is this is nice you know and I ignored it for like a couple months a couple months I ignored it and um finally one day I was like this is where it all started (laughs) we were in the bathroom in our bedroom and I was like I want to see what's so special about this drug like I want to know why you're never home why you're never with your kids and why you're never with me like I want to know what is what makes you feel so good with this drug I was like I want to try it and he's like are you sure and I was like yeah I'm sure and um I took that first hit and I was like well, this is way better than pain pills, you know? And I, I used for a few times and then I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter. And at this point I had already been, I had already been three, almost four months pregnant. Well, with my daughter. Heard while using heroin and the only reason I found out is because I wasn't going to keep my daughter because I knew at this point now what kind of person her father is finally got those true colors you know and I'm like I'm only 20 years old like I are 19 actually almost 20 I can't afford a third baby I can't do this you know and of course the drugs too were talking like and um I remember I was house sitting for his mom and I wanted to use again and he's like no I'm not letting you I'm not letting you use you know you're not doing it and I once I found out because at this point like I still didn't know how far along I was you know and there was some very nasty words exchanged between the two of us when I did find out. And um, then I went to the clinic and they were like, you're almost four months along. Like, if we're going to proceed with this, like, you can't come here. You have to go to a different clinic, you know? And once I, once I saw, like, once I saw that, I was like, no, okay, I can't, like, I can't, I have to have this baby, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I got, I did get clean during my pregnancy. I did stop using completely once I found out that I was pregnant. That's amazing. Um, And I, thank you. (laughs) I, (laughs) I, I, I'm like trying not to cry. Um, and I, so I went through with my pregnancy and it, it was lonely, you know, cause every mom wants the dad to be there. 
like he was at some appointments and I, I just, I'm thankful for my daughter, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for all three of my kids, but fast forward to after my daughter's born, I started using again. She was with her father and that's when my addiction got very heavy. I was what they call like a high functioning closet user. I, I had never heard that before until I started working at a rehab, you know, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you were a high functioning closet user. And I'm like, I just thought I was an addict. I didn't look at it that way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I, I regret it. You know, like if I could go back, I would. And I, and I want to tell these people that are listening, like, don't start because there are chances that you're never going to stop. If you, yeah. Even if you just want to try it one time, one little line, like, don't, don't do it. Because that year of my life was the most fucked up year I've ever had. I was working full time as a, as a pizza delivery driver. Cause you get tips on those jobs, you know, like you get, mm-hmm. you get tips. And I remember working morning until night just to make sure that neither of us were feeling sick, like just got to get through this shift so we can go buy more, you know? And, and I was a, still a mom at this point. Like I was still taking care of my kids. I was doing what I could to take care of my kids and still be like able to stay awake and like, be there for them and make sure that I could do what I needed to do for them, you know? Um, and the relationship was very mentally abusive, like, especially with the drugs involved. Cause we were buying like almost a hundred dollars worth a day of drugs. And I just remember nodding out. I remember watching him nod out and, there was one point where we were, we were in a town here in, in Washington, like we were Olympia, we were in Olympia and, uh, he wanted to take money out off my card to buy drugs. Like we blew through my tax return that year. My taxes were gone in like a month on drugs, on heroin. And I remember telling him, no, you're not buying drugs with my card like we're done this is done because at this point I wanted to get clean I was tired of the lifestyle I was tired of the sweating the smell the feeling you know because after a while you feel greasy you feel gross you know what I mean I mean not for everybody but that's I know that's how I felt because that that wasn't a lifestyle for me before you know that was not something that I did that I was into pills are, you know, they're all opiates. They're all the same thing, but heroin is a whole different ball game, you know? And so when I finally went to go ask for my card, it turned into this big fight. Like he had his, I was trying to grab my card from him and he had like his arm over me, like holding me like pinned to the, to the seat, you know, like trying to like make it so I couldn't get my card. So I'm like, crying at this point his friends in the back seat 
he's not saying anything because he doesn't want him to, you know, freak out on him because he knows yeah. his anger. He knows his anger. And, and he is a very angry person. He's a very short tempered person. And I went to go grab my phone to call somebody and he threw my phone and it broke my, my screen cracked really bad on my phone. And I actually got out of the car. It's like two o'clock in the morning at this point, you know, and someone like me, someone like anybody, any woman, any man, I should not be on drug runs. You know, I'm the type of person, like I am the wrong person to have on drug runs, you know, any woman, any man, I just, I did, I don't know. And I, it was two o'clock in the morning. I remember, and I like got out of the car and I'm walking downtown. Like this man has my phone. This man has my bank card. This man has my cell phone or my, my car. He has my car. He's driving my car. And I'm like, so fine. I'm like, you know what? No, fuck this. Like I am not walking downtown Olympia by myself at two in the morning you know, and he's still parked at the bank. So finally I ripped the car door back open and I'm like, take me home. I don't belong here. I'm high as a kite at this point too, you know? And, um, I remember going to work that next morning. I did not sleep at all. And I slept maybe like a little bit and I went to work at like, not, I was late that day and my chest from here to here, it was bruised from the way that he was holding me. And I don't know why I didn't quit using the drugs then. I went back for more, you know, I went back for more. And I remember going on drug runs, meeting not sketchy people, because that's, that's a rude way to say, I don't, I don't want to say it like that, but just other people who are also in addiction they look at you like you're a piece of meat in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. especially, and I, and I don't, don't know how to say that without being rude, but like with my job, I, I have to like, I'm trying to work on how I talk about this lifestyle, you know, cause I, and I, I think of my kids, you know, I think of my kids were at home while I was out doing these things. And I just remember getting so high, I couldn't even, couldn't even keep my head up, you know? I remember Mother's Day. This was a this was like a month before I finally got clean for good. And I was on my mom's couch and I was just nodding and nodding and nodding. And she asked me if I was okay. And I just was like, yeah, I'm just very tired because nobody ever noticed everybody just thought I because I deal with heavy depression and when those times come like I get really you know dark circles under my eyes and it was really hard to it took me five years actually to even say anything to anybody but I I just remember just feeling like okay I gotta get high so I don't feel sick gotta get high so I don't feel sick just one more time so I don't feel sick you know and, and then too, when you're, when your partner's using, I think with my codependency issues, I'm like, I want this man to love me. So I felt like if I did drugs, he was going to love me properly because I was also living 
the lifestyle that he was living, you know? And I now know that that was not love. That was, he may, he may love me. Yes. But that at the time was not love. And I just remember, I just remember like one time we were in again, downtown Olympia and I'm smoking heroin in the middle of the parking lot at the Dollar Tree. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and when I finally like snapped, like I came to it, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, I'm like visible. I, I, people can see, people can see me. (laughs) And I just, I think of how much could have happened and could have gone wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. And finally, I, and I, and my, my recovery story is not crazy. Like my using time was not crazy, but for me, for someone that wasn't used to that lifestyle before, you know, heroin took over me. It's crazy for me because I, and I, and I know everybody's journey is different. And I know that everybody's path is different because addiction's addiction, no matter what, right? Like it's exactly. And you went through you, everyone's story is important and valid. Yeah. And I, and I try to share that too, because like when people like ask me about my story, I'm like, well, it's not crazy, but heroin is not an easy drug to kick. No, you know, not at all. The fact, the fact that you're clean makes it an amazing story. Thank you. Thank you. I, I now like look at, I look back at it too. Like, I'm like, I didn't need to use to be loved properly. You know, I shouldn't have never based it on that. And, and then at that point, that's what our relationship was. It was drugs. That was about the only thing we had in common at that point, besides our children, you know? Mm. And I just, I think of like all the mental abuse that I went through during that time, like, especially like telling him, no, like I got called every name in the book and now I'm just conditioned to it. Like if somebody cusses me out, I'm like, I've been trained for this. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then I, and I finally, one day I came home from a shift. I had worked a morning shift and I came home. And at that time, like I was still delivering pizza and I went downstairs and my kids, cause my kids were upstairs playing by themselves and I'd went downstairs and he was hunched over with a needle in his arm. And I'm like, I kind of panicked a little bit. I stayed calm because the kids were upstairs, you know, but I, I stayed calm for them. And I was like, I like kind of like nudged him and I, and he woke up, like he eventually woke up and I'm like, what if the kids would have found you? Cause like at this point I'm starting to feel like sick too from working and not using, I'm starting to starting to wear off a little bit. And I'm like, what if the kids would have found you? Like I, you are so lucky that I found you. And he's like I'm so sorry I didn't I didn't know that I nodded out and I'm like well there's a needle sticking out of your arm so take it out 
you know, <laughs> trying to like get him to get it together. And because at this point, I feel like I'm mothering him too, you know, while I am also using drugs. <laughs> like, yeah. And I told him, I said, you're either going to get clean or you can leave because I am getting clean. And if you're not going to get clean while being here, I'm not going to get clean. And I told myself, if my kids are not going to have a clean mom, they are not going to have clean parents at all. I need, there needs to be at least one of us. And sure enough, I, he left, he ended up leaving, going back to his mom's and I got clean. I, I used, I, I used one more time before that with one of my really close friends. I used one more time because I was just feeling sick. Like I was not feeling great at all. And after that, June 12th, I, I have not used since June 12th, 2015. Wow. Wow. That's, that's great. Yeah. And the withdrawals, I'm sure, you know, not a good time, No, <laughs> not a good time. And I, and I didn't, I didn't use Suboxone. I didn't go to rehab. I curled up in my blanket and I sweat that shit out. Like it was not, it wasn't fun. And I told my mom, cause at the time we were living at my parents' house and I told my mom that I just had the flu. I wasn't feeling good. I think I have the flu. And that last time I used, I'm pretty sure I was close to an overdose. I used pretty heavy that day. And that, that was my, when I felt like I was overdosing, that was my cue. Like, you know what? Nope, cat, we're done. Like, we're done. And I, it was hard for me, you know, to do that alone because, you know, it's as any addict feels, you always feel shameful. Most of us anyways, guilty. I'm a mom. I don't need people to know that I'm using heroin, you know, like I don't, I don't need people to know those things. And I I kept it hidden, like I kept it hidden for five years before I told anybody. I first started with my mom and I remember that night we laid in bed and I said, can I tell you something? And she's like, yeah, of course. And I finally opened up to her about my addiction and I cried, you know, because, you know, you don't want you don't want your mom to, and that's part of the reason why I never told my mom, because, you know, you see so many moms and so many dads just worrying about their child and like focusing on their child and wanting them to get clean and doing everything they can to make sure they're sober or they have money or they're feeling okay, you know, and then you get those, some parents that are just like, nope, let them fucking figure it out, you know, let them figure it out on their own. And I, and my mom's more of the I'm going to worry about her. I'm going to make sure that she's okay. And I didn't want my mom to do that, you know, because I have a brother that she needs to focus on. I'm, I'm an adult at this point, you know, and I, and I cried when I finally told her, because I just felt 
so terrible about what I did in the past. Cause you know, I was taking money. I was borrowing money, not paying, you know, my half of the bills. Like I'd, I'd buy the things that the kids needed like diapers and stuff, you know, but everything else, I was not a functioning adult at that time. I was not doing the things that I needed to do. And I think the taking the money part was like the hardest for me because I'm not like that. That's not me, you know? And I just, it was just like a sigh of relief once she told me that it it was okay. You know, like, Kat, it's okay. You're sober now. Like, you're clean now. And I, then next came my best friend. You know, I finally, because she's like my sister. My best friend is like my sister. And I, I had to battle with that silently for five years. I mean, besides with my therapist, but that's, that's a different story. You know, that's, that's a a whole different ballpark. And when it comes to your family and like your close friends, you don't want them to look at you that way. You don't, and most people don't care. You know, most people don't just, they just don't give a shit. But for, for me, I knew that that was not me. And I am so proud of so many people that can come out and share their story and do better and, you know, just show up for themselves so that they can show up for others. It just, it, it's like, it amazes me what someone can do after everything they've been through, you know? Mm -hmm. And like my mom and dad, for instance, like being clean for 28 years, that's, living that lifestyle for so long that is a very very long time and like and I and I tell I tell people this too like it took me six years to get where I'm at today and the biggest part is I need to forgive myself for who I was then at that time at that point in time and accept myself for who I am now because that girl doesn't live here anymore she does not live here that is not who I am she will always be a part of me but I I don't have to go back to that you know and that's like the one thing I try to tell people like my patients that I work with because now I'm you know I'm a certified peer counselor now and um I just tell my patients, you know, they're like trying to get their kids back or, you know, even when I was working, I used to work at a rehab too. I worked at a rehab for two years and I still, I still pop in there occasionally and work some shifts. And I just tell my patients, like, if your kids can't be your main purpose of why you're doing this, you need to be your main purpose. You got to keep pushing for yourself. I said, cause you know what? Those streets and those drugs they don't love you. They don't care about you. Those drug addicts, or not those drug addicts, the drug dealers, they don't care if you have a family. They don't care if you have a home. They don't give a shit if you have a wife and all, you know, they don't care. Nope. They don't care. They are only 
about their next dollar. And I just, you know, and I tell my patients too, like your life is worth living without the drugs. Yes, change is scary. Getting clean is scary because at that point you're accustomed to that, you know, that lifestyle and you're, you're scared, right? You're well, nervous was, of like, what was oh, that? I was, I was going to say, I was scared to death. I remember saying to myself, what am I going to do? Because yeah. that's literally all I used to do. Like my whole yeah. day was surrounded by, I went to work and I would take Adderall and Clonopin and smoke weed, but I didn't drink. <laughs> when I got home is when I would drink liquor. Like the heavy yeah. use. So I was like, what am I going to do? Like I, I said to myself, is watching TV still going to be fun? Are things I do still going to be, you know what I mean? Like how is, I didn't know how it was going to work. Exactly. And you're, and you're just like, okay, well, I'm so used to doing this stuff high or drunk, like, and I tell people, you can have, you know, a personality outside of that. And you can, you can find fun things to do. Like, I have a friend, she participates, I, I am not, I don't follow any steps. I know that probably sounds terrible, but I don't, I don't go to AA, I don't go to NA. And because I just, and who knows, maybe at this point, I might be needed at those kinds of things, you know, I don't know yet, because I've never tried it, because I'm too, I'm too scared to show up to one, you know. Yeah, it could be nerve-wracking for some reason. Yeah, and I just, like, I don't follow that, but you can go bowling, you can go to the ocean, you can, you know, there's just so many things you can do while sober. And I just want people to know that they're loved and they're not alone. And with my patients too, like I leave them voicemails all the time. And I'm like, whenever you're ready, like I am still here. Even, even if you don't answer your phone, now you have my phone number when the time comes and you're ready to talk and you want help. Like I'm here, even if you just need somebody to talk to, I just, and that's my biggest thing because a lot of people do go through addiction feeling alone. Yeah. And I know, even though I had a family that loved me, I had kids, like I have kids that love me. I have friends that love me, you know, and I still at that time felt alone. You know, I, I just felt like I wasn't worth a shit, you know? And now I'm trying to help people. Like you don't have to feel that way. You don't have to, you don't have to be this person. You don't have to, there's just so much more out there for you. And I've had, since I've started this line of work in general, like even just working at the rehab, I've had five patients die of overdose. And I learned in my, um, one of my classes that I took a couple weeks ago, Somebody dies from overdose every five and a half minutes. Every that five and a half minutes. That I did not know. Yeah. Yeah. Not saying is. I know everything, but I, that's <laughs> something I did not know. Yeah. And it's heart wrenching to hear. And I always think too, because my kid's dad is still using and he's a heavy fentanyl user. And I like, 
I think like, what, what if one day I get that call? You know, what if one day I get that call? And it's just like, at this point, it's sad, but it's like something you have to prepare yourself for mentally, you know? And like you said, it sucks, but you, you have to do it. <clears throat> so this way, if it does happen, you don't come to a crippling, you know, your whole life stopping. You can still take care of your kids and do what you need to do. God forbid, you know, that happens. Yeah. And I just love, you know, I love hearing too, like patients are like, yeah, I got my kids back. You know, it, it took a while, but I got my kids back or I'm, my kids are living here, but I'm trying really hard to get them back with me, you know? And I'm like, you know what? Keep doing what you're doing and odds will work out in your favor. As long as they see that you're working hard and you're doing what you got to do, just keep pushing. And even, like I said, even if you can't push for them, push for yourself, because I can tell you right now, somebody out there loves you. They appreciate you. They, and most importantly, someday you're going to learn to love yourself. And that's like something I've been working so hard on because there are still days, like I said, I feel guilt inside for that time in my life like I and I'm not embarrassed like I'm not embarrassed that that happened to me because I feel like I wouldn't be who I am today if that would have never happened to me in this lifetime you know um but learning to love myself has been the biggest thing and I can't say that it's easy for everybody obviously you know it takes a while you I'm sure you know what I'm saying like I just, I don't know. Like I, I could go on and on about this topic for hours, honestly. Um, I just, I, I look at my friends too that I know are using and sometimes I'll like reach out. I'll reach out and I'll just be like, hey, how are you doing? Like, I'm here. I'm yeah. here. <laughs> Sorry, I still got a cough. Um, but too, like, like I said, after I shared that video, I had so many people message me and tell me like, Hey, that was amazing. I've been going through this and I don't know how to tell anybody. And I'm like, well, you're telling somebody right now, like I'm right here. And the fact that you felt safe enough and brave enough to even come and message me. I said, that's a big step. Ad admitting I feel like is the first step to anything. Hey, this is what's going on. And I, I know I have a problem admitting and accepting. And I, I just like tell myself too, like, what would I have done if I was in other people's shoes? Like, would it, what if I would have got my kids taken away? What if I was like in the hospital? What if I, you know, I just like, there's so many what ifs yep. that could have happened during that time. And I, and I try to remember, I try to remind people too, like, it's okay that that happened. What you're doing now though, to fix that, that's the important part. So, and, and I was, like I said, I was around a lot of sketchy people in that time of my life. I just like, I don't know. 
I I don't <laughs> like I said I could go on for hours. <laughs> no, it's been an incredible story. So, what is life like for you nowadays? Like, how how does your daily day go about? How do you stay sober? So, for me, like how I stay sober, and I am gonna be honest, I do drink occasionally. Like, it's not an all the time thing. Um, but I have learned to do that without being like, Ooh, I need a bag, you know, like I yeah. need a bag. Um, I can function now. Like I couldn't before I could not function before. Um, but now for me, like sober life, like when I'm not on the drugs and like I said, it's just socially, it's not like I'm getting fucked up every single night, you know, drinking a yeah. whole bottle of wine. But, like, for me, I feel so much happier. I go, I go bowling. Like I said, you could go bowling. I, I take my kids to go do stuff. Like, we go to the ocean. We go play laser tag. You know, I take them to Disneyland every year. This is actually the first year that we're not going. Um, we go to Disneyland every year. Like, we make family traditions. Like, we go down to California, spend time with our family down there. And I just, I function so much better. And I, and you know, actually what helps me not use, it's not even just my, my kids are obviously my number one purpose in life. Like everything I do for them, everything I do is for them because I'm, I'm a single mom, you know? And so I'm like, well, I have to be on the straight and narrow. I have the choice. I, I just remind myself of how I felt during that time when I was getting clean and I was by myself to detox and because the person that got, I mean, I got myself hooked on the drugs, but the person that introduced me to those drugs, they weren't there, you know, they weren't there to comfort me and console me. I did that. I, I was there for me. And I think of that day of how sick I felt and and that's one of my biggest pushes is that I don't want to feel like that ever again. Mm. I do not want to feel like that ever again. And I go out into society and I can, you know, I can hold a job and I, I, I can hold a job then, but like, I can hold a job. I can, my kids need new shoes. I can buy them new shoes. I need new stuff. I can buy myself new stuff, you know? And I can't, I can't explain it enough to somebody of how much better life is without that drug. I wasn't a very upper person either. Like I was, I didn't do meth or anything like that. I was just strictly heroin, but I can tell you that that bag, it's not worth it. And I, and I know it's not easy for everybody. I know they can't just drop it and quit it. Like it's nothing, but there's resources out there. There's so many phone numbers you can call. There's so many things you can do to try to do that and get clean and show up. Like I don't, and for me too, the way I live now, I wouldn't be able to live that way if I was still using. No. I would not be able to live that way if I was still using. Obviously, yes, like I said earlier, like diapers, diapers, wipes, that was taken care of. But everything else, 
no, can't. Sometimes, and sometimes people don't prioritize that, you know? Now your kid has no food, no formula, no wipes, no diapers, you know? And, yeah. and I don't judge. That's their struggle. You know, that's not, that's not my place to judge. And either you figure it out or you don't. And by the time, if you don't figure it out, by that time comes, sometimes it's too late, you know? And I think of that too. And I, I told my, one of my patients, I, or not one of my patients, one of the people that works at my work, they're like, Mason County needs you. Like we need more people like you. And I'm like, I am here to walk with someone through their rain and I'm there to hold their hand during the shine. Like I'm there, you know, doesn't matter. I don't judge. I don't tell people I'm not like, well, you're a piece of shit because you use, you know, that's not me. I don't even like people using the term tweaker. Like I hate that term, you know? Yeah. Back then it was funny to me. I'm like, oh yeah, there's crackheads out there, you know? And now with the stigmas and everything, I hate when people, <laughs> I hate when people use those words, you know? Yeah. Like I just, I don't judge. I don't, I don't do that at all. And because I wouldn't want somebody talking about me like that, you know? I want somebody to be like, oh God, she's a dope head, you know? I would hate that in a sense. Um, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm rambling at this point, but, (laughs) um, I just know now in my lifetime, even if I just help one person realize that they're worth it, that's all that matters to me. As long as I can help that one person. And even those people that don't answer when I call, (laughs) at least they know that that option's there, you know? Exactly. It feels good. Um, even if some people don't respond, like you said, they might still listen to the message and just know they're not alone. Yeah, I, and I hope so. You know, and that, that's like my goal is to just help that one person. And you know, I used to be against like harm reduction, like with like the clean needle exchange. Mm-hmm. I used to be against that. I'm just like, and I'm like, well, how come? until I live this lifestyle, mind you, until I live this lifestyle, I'm like, well, how come Narcan's free? You know, like, why is that a thing? Why don't people have to pay for Narcan, but they have to pay for chemo and everything else, you know? And then once I lived that lifestyle and I started working in that field, my whole outlook changed. I'm like, gosh, I was a piece of shit for saying those things, you know, because now, now the way that I look at it and the way that it's been presented to me, the longer we hand these things out, the longer that those people stay alive to get that second chance. I'm the same way. I I was against it. When I first heard the idea, I was like, just no, that's not going to work. You're not, you know, I thought they were encouraging it. But then I realized those people are going to use no matter what. Yep. They're just yep. still going to use. They're just going to go do it in an alley somewhere instead of doing it where it's safe and clean. That's the only difference. Yep. Yep. And and I said and when when somebody finally said that to me, they're like, 
they're like the longer that we do this like I said just a minute ago like the the longer they're going to be here and at first it didn't make sense to me because I'm like why would you want to give somebody clean needles like why Mm -hmm. why would you you're just contributing to their behavior their bad behavior you know and now I feel so bad for saying that you know because now the longer that I've been doing this they're one of my patients that died too they didn't even use Narcan on him and I'm like you guys know that the option's there and you didn't use it and not that it's not that it's their fault you know that he overdosed it's not their fault but there's so many actions that can be taken to that and I another thing that I think of too like because there are days I still get cravings I'm not gonna lie like I still get cravings for that feeling and like I just recently went through a bad breakup and I'm like I just want to get high like I just want to numb that pain Mm because it I was very heartbroken about a month ago and I was like what can I do to just make this feeling go away and I know exactly what I can do you know but at this point I've already gotten rid of all those friends like I don't associate with those friends anymore and which I'm super thankful for you know I love them and I love them from a distance but I just think of I I think of this quote and it really it resonates with me I may have one more relapse in me but I may another I may never get another chance for a recovery and that sits so heavy with my heart because it's true. You may have one more relapse, but you may not get a chance to recover again. And I, I do, I wish more than anything that drug addiction was not a thing. And a lot of it stems from mental health too. And that's where the co-occurring comes in, you know, and I, and I've learned so much too. I'm so thankful for my, my rehab experience. And now I'm working in a hospital where I'm on the actual behavioral health team and I can get, I, I, I haven't, I don't know everything, but I have a lot of knowledge when it comes to those co-occurring disorders and a, a lot of it too, is like, like I was saying like way earlier on resolved childhood trauma too yep. is the, is the gateway trauma is a gateway and not enough people understand that and it's just so sad because if maybe if you just took a minute to hear these people out and listen to what they have to say because sometimes therapists are in it for the dollar I'm not saying that all therapists are bad but some of them just don't give a shit and I I know that from from prime example I have heard I have heard some counselors say some not very nice things about patients and you know working where I used to work and where I do work now I mean the therapists that at my job are amazing they're good people but from my experience from the past some of them just don't they don't care they're they're like, well, I've been clean for this long and I've been doing this. 
I don't understand why this patient can't just get it together. Yeah, because that's you. That's not them. They, it almost sounds like, you know, they have an underlying issue. And I just, some people I'm like, how do you have this job? Like, how do you work in this field? Because quite honestly, I feel like you don't belong in it. You know, just because you're, just because you're an ex-addict and you did this for this long and now you have this job doesn't mean that this job is correct for you, you know? Because if you think of people in recovery, like my old boss used to say, they're, we're wounded birds. We're little baby wounded birds, you know? And we need to be cared as such. We need to be talked to with kindness. And even if the... I've had one guy tell me to fuck off and I'm like, you're going to love me tomorrow. I, I understand what you're going through and I understand how you're feeling. You're going to love me tomorrow. It's okay. You know, like, and I just too like depression and anxiety. And maybe some people use because they have anxiety, you know, those downers, those downers are, I can tell you right now, like for me personally, when I was using, I would always use it as an excuse. Like I used to steal pills out of my dad's top drawer to make it through my work shift, you know, because I had anxiety and I, I just tell myself too, like, I wonder how I would have been if i wasn't fucked up in the head you know like I wonder how different things it would have been if I wasn't just trying to numb that and suppress it and now as an adult like getting older anyways now it's all just coming out and I'm ruining friendships I'm ruining relationships because I don't know how to think properly I mean I I didn't know how to think properly when I was younger, because I was so busy, you know, your brain's not even fully developed until you're like 21, 21, 22. Yep. <clears throat> and now I'm thinking of how different would I be able to socialize if I would have never done that stuff, you know, because now it comes out sometimes as anger. I can't, I can't hold a no- normal conversation with somebody without being angry you know when I'm like telling a story or I some they say something to piss me off and I think a lot of it is from the drug use and alcohol at a young age because at at that time your dopamine right like all those chemicals in your brain are feeding off of that alcohol and the drug and it's just so crazy to me how the body works because I think that's another biggest issue with people that use is they can't function without their brain can't function properly without that. And I'm like super excited because like, I want to go, I want to, for my career, I do want to become like, I want to go do psychology and see what goes on in the brain when people are using those drugs, you know? Not that I can't just YouTube that myself, but like, I want to go deeper into the root of the issue, you know, 
And like, you should. <clears throat> and, I, and I want to, I really want to, like, I'm very, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very passionate about this topic because. No, it is. I could see. Yeah, I'm very, very passionate. And I just want to see what is going on. Like, and my brother and I got into this argument the other, actually the other day, my brother and I got into an argument and he's like, we were talking about how addiction's a choice and not, not a disease. Yes, there we go. It's not a disease. And I'm like, no, yes, it is a disease because yes, it's our choice to pick that drug up, right? Like you say for your first time using. Some people are born with a drug addiction, mind you. They're born with that because they're maybe their parents used, you know, while they were pregnant. And but the way that our brain decides to react to that drug is out of our control because we're lacking right that chemical that that drug provides in our brain and we we probably argued for about a good half hour and I'm like you're the reason I'm like you are part of the reason (laughs) like I am walking away from this conversation you know and I love my brother to death like we have some very intellectual conversations but that one specific conversation threw me over the edge I was like nope I'm out I'm out (laughs) but real quick going back to your story my last question for you is do you have any advice you would give people that are listening or watching okay yes I do that's a big one yes I do have advice and like I said earlier, I could go on for hours, but I'm not going to do that to you today because <laughs> I've already rambled enough. But my biggest advice, like I said, if you cannot push through, if you have children, family, if you cannot push through for them, your biggest reason needs to be you. You have to be the reason that you push through and you need to remind yourself that you are worthy and you are loved and those drugs do not love you they don't love you your dealer doesn't love you because they're just going to get that dollar and they're going to keep going on about their day and like I tell myself yes you may have one more relapse in you but you may not get another chance to recover and and I don't mean that I know that kind of sounds like an asshole quote because you're like I don't believe in you. It's, it needs to sit with some people because I, I do believe in that wholeheartedly that you cannot, there's going to be a point where you do not get another chance and there is life without the drugs. There is life without the alcohol. There is so much to the world that you're, missing out on while you're deciding to do these things you know and I yeah it feels good at the time and I tell myself this too because I did admit like yes I still drink occasionally it only lasts for a little bit and then you got to wake up and you got to feel those feelings again you know and I had to tell myself eventually I have to feel these things without numbing the pain so I can heal from it. You have to feel in order to heal. And that is like, 
also one of the things that I live by. You have to get through those moments. And then, yes, it's going to be a roller coaster and it's going to fucking suck. You're going to hurt. You're going to cry. You're going to feel alone. But as long as you do not lose yourself in the process, you're going to be okay. That's you are great. going to be okay. That's great advice. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I want to thank you so much for doing this. It really was a great story. and was much appreciated. Yes, of course. And again, I'm sorry for rambling. No, like not at all. A couple of times, but we're here. We're, we're just chatting. That's why, you know, anything that can do to help someone like you said, but for everyone listening and watching, if you like what you heard and saw, go below and subscribe. Also give us a like. You can also check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. We're always posting new things. We also have a newly redesigned, redesigned website, which happens to have a lot of resources and articles that we write, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. And the last thing is check out our Facebook group. There you can find under the events tab all the different meetings we do nightly at 630. And that's all I have for today. So until next time.